As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I'm sorry, I'm eating beef jerky as we wait in the car. <laughs> We're uh, outside Saloon on Calhoun in Brookfield. I really need to finish this. Hang on. <laughs> we can <clears throat> wait until you finish your beef jerky. Okay. We're outside Saloon on Calhoun, Capitol and Calhoun Drive in Brookfield, and uh, we are waiting to see how many people show up for a St. Patrick's Day party that's supposed to be starting any time now. And backing up, so usually people showing up on St. Patrick's Day, probably not a news story, might be no, some no. cute video. I, in fact, there'd What's... be a lot more people here by now, I think, on a typical St. Patrick's Day. A little more day drinking. Uh, it, it, although, I mean, at bars all over the city, there would be revelry and shoulder-to-shoulder people, so it's unusual to find uh, you know, a bar that's... Well, it certainly wouldn't be a story that there were you know, 20 people at a bar. But it's a story now with everything going on with coronavirus and especially with the latest direction coming from Governor Evers. So as of time of recording, you're not supposed to be in a mass gathering of 10 people, more yeah, than and, 10 and, people. And think about that. 10 people at a bar in Wisconsin is hardly considered a mass gathering, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's like, that's Tuesday. Um, but <laughs> It is Tuesday. And it is Tuesday. But that's not even a St. Patrick's Tuesday. That's any day. But... Now, anything with 10 or more people. And th- that's the thing. This is changing minute by minute. Who knows what it'll be by the time right. this thing airs. Well, and the thing is, he specifically said that the specific direction is if you are a restaurant or bar, it is no dine-in. It, it is to go only. I don't know if that counts drinking? for drinking right, in. We're about to find out. Thank you for coming Hello, welcome to the land of the free and the home of the brave. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you. Trying to stay in a group of less than 10 and six feet apart from each other. Not being facetious. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is a special edition of Open Record. Typically, it's a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of Fox 6 investigative reports, but we're changing things up a little bit. We're bringing you the latest on our coverage of COVID-19, the coronavirus issue here in Wisconsin. We'll be bringing you more frequent episodes over the next few weeks. And today we are looking into the ever-changing orders that are limiting group sizes, limiting gatherings, limiting what restaurants and bars specifically can do. And we're looking at some places that are maybe pushing the limits of that. Do the governor's orders have teeth? Is there any way to enforce this? And that's what we're digging into today. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. I'm here with Brian Polson. Hey, Amanda. It's our first social distancing podcast. <laughs> it is. We are recording this remotely in different buildings. Hopefully this works. Uh, we've had to uh, brush off some of the dust on some of the technology we have sitting in the Fox 6 studios, but so far so good. So Brian, we're launching into a, a really interesting night that you had. You all have made the conscious choice to be here. You understand what's at risk? 
So Brian, what, how did you start looking into this situation? Well, really, we didn't know when we started first looking at this that the governor was going to order bars and restaurants to close completely other than uh, curbside or carryout takeout service. Um, but we did know that there was already a concern about social distancing and large public gatherings. And actually, when we first set out to do something, uh, we knew St. Patrick's Day was coming. Uh, this was Monday. We were discussing what to do. When all these people are going out to the bars and standing shoulder to shoulder, historically, um, at just as the CDC is saying you shouldn't be close together and you shouldn't be in large public uh, or in, in large gatherings in public spaces. So we wanted to know who is going to be shutting down their holiday parties, their, well, their St. Patrick's Day parties, and, and who's going on with the show. And we were getting tips coming in saying, hey, this place or that place is advertising that they're still going to go on with their big uh, party. And the first place I was focusing on was actually an Irish pub in Menominee Falls that had had a tent party on Saturday night, even after all of these concerns were being raised. At that time, the CDC's guidelines were no social gatherings larger than 250 people. And according to the owner of A.J. O'Brady's Irish pub, they were sticking to that 250 limit and monitoring the situation. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know if they were really counting, if they were watching um, sure. But they did have a tent. They had a show. Uh, things are changing, as we know, with the situation by the day, even by the hour. And by the time we got to Monday, it was down to 50. And before long, on Tuesday, uh, things changed very quickly again as the governor issued new orders um, uh, advising people not to be in gatherings larger than 10 and, uh, and ordering bars and restaurants to close as of 5 p.m. Tuesday afternoon. At that so point... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so to see what was going on here, you and I went essentially undercover. I know it's probably a, a little over generous term for it at Saloon on Calhoun. And uh, it was even just from the second we walked in, it was it was an interesting time. Well, so even taking a step back for a moment, why do we end up at Saloon on Calhoun specifically? And it's in part because the owner was proclaiming proudly on Facebook that they were planning to stay open. They weren't going to, these are his words, were not going to give in to fear. And so it seemed as though they planned to push forward regardless of what orders were handed down. So when things changed on Tuesday, um, early in the day, and the governor issued the more restrictive orders, the first question I asked you was, do you think they're still going to go through with this? So when we arrived at around four o'clock, which is when they were scheduled to open, uh, at least according to Facebook, it, you know, we didn't know what we were going to find. I thought they might say, okay, this is too much now. We, we, we need to do what everybody else is doing. We need to shut down. Instead, we found they were not only open, uh, when we went to walk in the door, the owner was right there. And I, I remember your reaction to the first thing he said, uh, which was essentially, don't gather in groups of 10 uh, or more than 10 <laughs> in different parts of the building. Yeah, I said that's an interesting unusual. interpretation um, because I think it's safe to say that that is not what the governor nor the CDC meant when they said to limit gatherings to groups of 10 or less. Well, and here's the thing. I think nobody really knows what any of this means necessarily, except that we're trying to keep people away from each other so that the community spread doesn't get worse. But if you're a business owner who's trying to push the limits and you go, well, 
The order is no large public gatherings of more than 10. Well, if you're not gathering in an area that's more than 10, maybe I'm okay. So he's playing the letter of the order, so to speak, and trying to push it. Meanwhile, there's sort of the intent, and the intent is, let's keep people away from each other so we don't have unintentional community spread. And so as we're there, I mean, they were, the people who were there, the owner, the wait staff, they were all pretty proud, it seemed, of the fact that they were open. We're gonna keep this thing going. Multiple times we had people saying, they're gonna to have to take me out of here in handcuffs. The first person that leaves is me in handcuffs. We think you should have the freedom to decide where you wanna go. We're trying to keep things open uh, for the employees here, but also for you. You all have made a conscious choice to be here. You understand what's at risk? I have to say, from my standpoint, it's probably the worst uh, I've ever been in any undercover situation because I could just feel myself flinching whenever I saw people hugging or touching each other. It was a very uncomfortable situation because from the journalist's perspective, we've been telling people over and over to stay inside, to socially distance themselves, and here we are around people who are doing the exact opposite. Well, we are living in a very uncertain time and a very unusual time in history in that we've all heard about pandemics before and there have been scares before, but nothing that's really come here to, to our shores and, 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 uh, and touched us so closely in this way where we're actually having to change how we live. And I think it's, it's understandable to see that there are business owners and there are employees and, and workers who are scared to death right now. They're gonna lose their livelihoods. Um, but then when you add in, sometimes there's, you, you can add, you know, we're, we're in a world where everything is political now, right? Everything is divisive. And if you start to view this as, well, I don't like our governor or I don't like this particular politician. And so therefore I'm going to proudly defy their order. Maybe that plays a part in some of this. Um, I think there was probably some element of we're fighting for ourselves. We're fighting for our jobs. So we're going to proudly defy this. But all of that is happening at a time when, while you might understand the spirit of it, in the end, the result could be you worsen a serious public health crisis. And so... Well, the result might be your business is affected anyway, but now more people are sick or God forbid more people die. And that's the, that's the thing that business owners are struggling with right now. So I had to duck out after we were there for about an hour, but you stuck around. So what happened after I left? Well, when we first got there, before you had even left, as you know, we sat down and one of the first things I, I wondered was, are, are they still serving food here? Because restaurants have been ordered to stop serving food. Now, granted that uh, that order took effect officially at 5 p.m., but most restaurants and bars were already complying. And I believe, in fact, we had just come from A.J. O'Brady's in Menominee Falls, where I interviewed owner Bruce Russell. He said they thought they could keep going until five, and local police told him there, it's done now. Get everybody out. Um, but here we were in Brookfield where police apparently hadn't made such a call. No one had uh, had said anything in spite of the public proclamations on Facebook that they intended to stay open. Um, and so we ordered food and they served food. Um, so that was kind of step one. Well, we are gonna party. They were serving drinks. They were, people were hugging. They were gathering in small groups and close contact. And so we were witnessing all of this. They had a, a live act playing on stage, uh, a one-man kind of Irish band um, who had been canceled from another event the night before and was picked up as a last-minute booking by Saloon on Calhoun. 
right as 5 p.m. hit, he's packing up all of his things. And we wondered, well, are they going to shut down now that it's 5 p.m.? Maybe they were pushing it up until the governor's limit, and now they're going to close. And I asked the, uh, the, 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 the musician who was packing up, you know, why, why are you doing it? And he said, well, my set is done. His set was listed as starting at 4.30. It was 5. So I thought, okay, sounds like they're closing down. But right at that same time, and you were still there for this, right at that same time, that's when this mm-hmm. uh, remarkable thing happened that we happened to catch on video and was, of course, aired in our broadcast on Tuesday night. Um, has gotten a lot of attention. That's when the owner got on a microphone and proudly announced that it was after 5 p.m. and that everyone in the bar had now joined him and his staff as rebels. It's after 5 o'clock, so as of right now, you are all officially rebels like us. And everybody cheered. And there was a sense at that point of, we know we're defying the order of the governor. We're proud to be doing it. And no one's going to stop us. It was a surreal moment. And, uh, and we had it on, on video. They, at that point, still didn't know that we were anything other than customers who were joining them in their rebellion. Um, <laughs> but the question was then, how long is this going to go on? And are they going to party all night? So you had to go, and I stuck around for a while, and I heard uh, an announcement about something closing down at 7, and I thought, okay, police have gotten the word. They're, they're shutting down now. So I went to the bartender and asked, are you guys closing at 7? And she said, oh, no. She repeated the, the earlier comments that we're not shutting down until somebody takes me out of here in handcuffs. And I said, well, what was the 7 p.m. announcement? And she said, no, no, we're closing the kitchen at 7 so they had acknowledge and admit they were serving food two hours past the governor's order at this point, uh, in addition to drinks. And by the time I walked out of the building at about 6, 6.30, there were still about 25, 30 people inside. Now, granted, this is not your typical St. Patrick's Day party where you're going to have shoulder-to-shoulder people. And, and it's Saloon on Calhoun, known to be sure. a, 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 you know, a top-notch music bar. Um, you would probably have a lot of people there on St. Patrick's Day. Um, so this was a small crowd by typical standards, but it was certainly well in excess of the governor's limit of 10 people in a public space, and the bar was supposed to be closed, um, other than serving takeout food. So I left at 6, and I met up with uh, Fox 6 photographer Justin Bois, and we, uh, at this time, revealed ourselves as journalists for Fox 6 News, and the owner was standing outside smoking a cigarette, and I approached him. What was his reaction? Well, as soon as there were, there were several staff members outside, and as soon as they realized who we were, they tensed up, immediately went to Dave Daler, the owner, and said, Dave, 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 look, and tried to get him inside. He was far away from the front door, and I think he knew it, it doesn't look much better if I turn and run. And frankly, he'd been pretty proud of what they were doing up to that point, or at least he'd projected he a pride in it. He wasn't hiding it. He wasn't hiding it. So I think, you know, he felt maybe this is the time to, to take a stand and say what I believe. And I told him that I said, look, here's your opportunity. If you believe what you're doing is right, if you believe defying the governor's order is the right thing to do, tell people why. You represent a voice. And while many people might find it extremely distasteful, it's a voice that's out there. Um, there he's not the only one who feels this way. He might have been one of the only ones who was willing to risk his business license or his liquor license over it. But... He said he was sticking his neck out and taking a stand, and he stood and he answered questions for a good 10, 15 minutes. And what reason did he give for being a rebel? 
Well, as he put it, first and foremost, he's it's it's hard to pin down, and I don't want to speak for him, but what he said was on the one hand. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of fear. And sometimes the best thing to deal with fear is to be able to go out and keep life normal. And that this is, for most people, little more than a cough. And that we're going to kill an entire industry, as he put it, over a cough. On the other hand, he would repeatedly acknowledge, I know this is serious and people can die and people are going to die. However, the people who come here, they know if they are uh, at risk themselves or if they have loved ones at home who are at risk and they can make that choice for themselves. We want to be here for them to give them that opportunity and freedom. He used the word freedom a lot. I'm fighting for this industry. I'm fighting for freedom. They, want to, they need to be free to do what you know, freedom allows, and that is to come here and enjoy some live music and, and a good time. So on the one hand, he said it was hype and fear. On the other hand, he said, yeah, it's real and people are going to die, but people should have the right to make that choice of, of what risk they're willing to accept. Um, that seemed to be the overarching message throughout his comments. Which seems to be a conflicting message. In some ways, yes. Although, I mean, I think if you asked him, his, his thought seems to be, if people know they're safe and the people around them are not at risk of anything serious because they're not elderly or vulnerable in some way, immunocompromised, that they are... Uh, making the choice themselves to take that calculated risk. What it so, so I, I don't know that that's necessarily in conflict. Um, I think what it misses, at least from what we're hearing from public health experts, from the CDC and from others, is that it's not necessarily that you're just risking yourself and your own family. If you continue right. community contact, you continue a spread that then furthers how quickly this thing exponentially spreads to others. If every bar just says, forget it, we're going to stay open, the community spread is much worse, and then vulnerable people do become exposed. Um, I think really what I took away from it is it didn't seem like he believes this is as serious as the health experts are telling us it is. And I think that's still a pervasive issue for many people. This still seems like it's an overreaction to some. And I think we're What's finding his belief? out... What's his belief that it's an overreaction based on? Well, that I don't know, and I can't speak to that. I did ask him, you know, what for you would convince you that this was serious enough to close? And his response to that was simply that the governor didn't give enough time, that it, the order was, you know, there was about a two-hour window to respond. Again, that didn't match up to me with the proclamation that we're going to stay open until someone shuts us down and I walk out of here in handcuffs. Because that didn't sound like, well, we just didn't have enough notice. That sounded like we don't like the order and we're going to defy it until someone says otherwise. Um, he, he did have a lot to say about, and I think this this is another concern that's out there. It's a very real concern, and I think this is a, a difficult one to address. The industry, the restaurant and bar industry, is specifically being singled out. Because that's where people go. And they, uh, but, but his concern was this industry, where's the help coming from when they have to shut down, when they don't have money coming in, all the people who work in the service in industry, the bar and restaurant industry, what's going to happen to them? I think there are great fears that unemployment is going to rise substantially. We just heard that the Treasury Secretary, the leaked uh, conversation that uh, Bloomberg News released overnight, that the Treasury Secretary told the Trump administration, we could be looking at 20% unemployment without 
the trillion dollar stimulus they're discussing. So there are real fears of massive unemployment when we're now used to sub 4% unemployment. So those are real fears. But, but the question is, you know, is it worth risking people's lives um, to try to push past these orders? So you talk to the owner, what happens after that? We talked to the owner uh, at about 6.30 maybe. I, I, I can't recall the exact time, uh, maybe 7 o'clock. And then we went to start putting together our stories for the 9 o'clock news and 10 o'clock news. And we were in the parking lot. Um, the, the parking lot outside Saloon on Calhoun is a very large parking lot. It, it, there's a, a, a giant U.S. bank building there that's a very long building. So we were far away from the building. We didn't want to somewhat of an uncomfortable situation. They weren't certainly happy they were about to be featured on the news for this. Um, but we were still in sight of the building. And you could see the lights were all on. The open sign was still there. It looked like the bar was still operating. The same number of cars roughly were in the parking lot for a while. Uh, and then the 9 o'clock news came, and we reported this story. Within probably about 15 minutes, an SUV pulled up in front of the business, and I couldn't tell from the distance we were at if that was, in fact, a squad car or not. Um, but it turned out later I saw it much closer as it was passing by us, and it was indeed an unmarked squad car with a laptop computer in the passenger seat facing the driver's seat. Um, right around that same time, all the lights on the building went off. The open sign went off, the green neon lights that they have that uh, surround the perimeter of the windows went off, and it looked like the bar shut down. I have... Uh, put in calls to the Brookfield Police Department to ask if they ordered them shut down, if they ticketed them, if they fined them. As of the time of this recording, I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is we aired our story at nine, a police squad car, an unmarked car showed up a short time later, and then the business shut down. Haven't heard anything more since then. That leads me to the question, does the governor's order have teeth. So it's one thing to say restaurants and bars can only be dine out. Uh, we need to limit gatherings to groups of 10 or less. But is it actually being enforced? Well, I think that's still an unsettled question in some ways. Although, as the governor said in his news conference on, on Monday, or, or perhaps it was Sunday, I don't know when this it, the, the news conference I'm referring to was, but he had said, you know, they, they trust people to do the right thing. They're doing, or maybe it was his legal counsel. Someone in that news conference had said, "We're trusting people to do the right thing." And by and large, most businesses, most individuals are following the recommendations and the orders that are coming down because I think most people know this is serious and they want to do what they can to limit the time frame. I think that's the biggest fear that almost everyone has is how long is this going to go on? If someone said we need to shut down for two days and this will be over, I think it'd be a snap. But when you say this could go on for months and we don't know how many months, uh, it becomes a lot less certain. The economic damage is very real. So I think most people are doing it voluntarily. The question is, for those who don't comply, is there a hammer? Is there a mechanism for enforcement? And it looked like, honestly, our... our uh, are showing up and publicizing what was happening was a bigger hammer than the government had at least planned to use. Um, well, because publicity under, in, a public health, in a public health emergency, the governor does have certain powers and theoretically he could enforce this 
through, I suppose, the National Guard, but you had reached out to the governor's office specifically about this, and I thought it was interesting that they wouldn't really give you a direct answer on whether there was a, an enforcement mechanism for no. this on the state level. That's right, because the, the, the question that I asked was, uh, uh, well, I asked a number of questions, but they were related to the main point, which was, first of all, uh, you know, what are the fines or potential punishments for violating these orders? And then, and two, how can you enforce them? Who enforces them? Is it the Department of Justice? Is it local police and sheriff's departments? Is it the National Guard, the State Patrol? Who does that? Who has the responsibility and, and the authority? And then again, thirdly, do you actually plan on exercising those powers? So what are the penalties who enforces them, and, 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 and are you going to do it? And they didn't really answer any of those. They did cite the state statute under which their authority falls. Um, and beyond that said, we refer you to the Department of Justice. So I called the Wisconsin Department of Justice, and they referred me to a communications person within the department. They, were, they forwarded me to that number, and I got voicemail. I left a very descriptive voicemail of why I was calling and my deadline, uh, and I didn't get any response. And I still, at the time of this recording, have received no response from the Department of Justice. So it doesn't appear there is any particular eagerness to talk about the enforcement mechanisms. It appears at this point they're banking on voluntary compliance. And in some cases, you know, a visit from the local police department seems to do the trick for those who are trying to push the limits. Well, and we had a conversation at length about how we cover this story, right? So we don't want to look like we are glorifying businesses who are defying the governor's orders or businesses who are defying advice from our public health leaders and medical professionals. At the same time, we need to show people what's happening. So there was a lot of back and forth about how we do this and how we tell this story. Well, I, I think really this is one of those times where, and, and, and quite frankly, this is how journalism should always work, there are many viewpoints on, on what's the right thing to do right now and very, very strong and passionate viewpoints. Our job is to document. Our job is to show what's happening and why it's happening. And what we know is, this is what we know for sure as of you know uh, the time of this recording, and this is what happened on St. Patrick's Day. Most bars and restaurants shut down. St. Patrick's Day parties uh, didn't happen. For the most part, uh, and again, this is not absolute, but for the most part, Irish pubs were empty on St. Patrick's Day. That's a stunning uh, thing to think about. Um, and it's an example of what we're going through right now. At the same time, there were some places that pushed the limits. And Saloon on Calhoun was one of them. And they weren't hiding it. They put it out on Facebook, out on social media, and said, we're doing this because we don't want to give in to fear. So we went there to see, are they really going to go through with this? And sure enough, they did. We documented it. We talked to the owner for his point of view. We put it on television. Police responded. Um, and a lot of other people are responding. Our Facebook page, our Fox 6 uh, News Milwaukee Facebook page, has been inundated with comments. This story has been shared hundreds of times. And there are some real divergent viewpoints on there. But that's because I think this is sort of a flashpoint. This is that, uh, that, that push and pull between what we need to do in a public health emergency. What is the government doing to protect us and how far can the government go? What rights do we have as citizens, as business owners, um, to control our own destinies and 
is that okay when you're putting people's health at risk? So I, our job really is to get this information out there, let the public decide. And, and this was one of those cases where I just wanted to go and see, are they really going to do this? And sure enough, they did. All right. Thank you, Brian. I know we have a lot more questions we'll be trying to answer over the next few days, next few weeks, and hopefully through our on-air coverage, but also through this podcast, we'll be able to bring you those. So if you have questions, if you want to know something about how this coronavirus issue is affecting Wisconsin, something you think we should be looking into, please reach out to us. You can email us at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. That's theinvestigators at fox6now.com. Thank you, Brian. You got it, Amanda.